Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Rachel Young, true crime goddess. Jessica Butcher, queen of fantasy. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. You can't get the smell of pumpkin spice off my hands. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Barista that is, problems. That is a nightmare, Jessica. I have to tell you guys something. What? Most awkward thing I've ever had happen to me at the bookstore happened on Wednesday. Ooh. Worse than the underwear gift? Worse than the underwear thing. Okay, okay. tell us. Tell us, tell us. So this couple came in with like 15 minutes till close, and they ordered two bottles of water, and then they walked around the bookstore for a bit. I'd already closed the garden, Mm -hmm. because I hadn't had anybody in like two hours, and so I'd already like gone out there and cleaned, and they come back, and they like rattle the door, and it was like, so I stood up, and they're like, can we go out here? And at this point, it's like 10 minutes till close. I was like, Sure, why not? Maybe like they're going out to smoke. I don't know your business, whatever. <gasps> so I finished closing everything down. We've got like three minutes till close, and I was like, "Oh, I'll go out there and give them like a three-minute warning, so we don't they don't actually get locked out or whatever." Kind of like the bars do, you flick the lights. And so I open the door, and I'm like, "Hey!" And I don't know if they were just very intensely making out. Oh, or if no. they were having sex. <gasps> she was straight up on top of him. And so I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You got three minutes left. And walked back inside. <laughs> oh, man. And then I left. <laughs> and then you're like, goodbye. <laughs> well. Well, it is kind of, you know by itself there's it's no windows shut off from everything there's a wall and there's a around fence around it and yeah very secluded just like, they just couldn't wait till they got home jessica I'm, I'm sorry is that not where i should take my dating app people to meet them you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't no but see that's actually like well other than not having sex on the patio at the bookstore but it would be like the perfect <laughs> like place to go because if you were like get me the hell out of this date like you've got a built-in helper like jessica could just come out and spill coffee on them and be like gotta go or say oh hey i need to close this down (laughs) wink wink (laughs) shut it down (laughs) but you see you have each other's numbers so you could text are you done yet are you done yet i mean like (laughs) help jessica come quick (laughs) i wish you could could see her she's like blushing again Oh, yeah. Well, and then I was telling my coworkers about it because I just am still shocked because what the fuck. And uh, she was like, you gave him three minutes. You didn't just tell him to leave. And I was like, well, I mean, everybody deserves to finish. (laughs) 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 Don't want to impede on their happiness. You're such a good happy ending. You're such a good girl, Jessica. Well, I didn't mean it. I was just like, I don't know. I, I panicked. I didn't want to like, I first did not want to look any closer. And I just wanted to leave. It doesn't take that much time to finish, really. If you're, well, if no, you're and already there, you might as well just finish. Yeah. And if you're like three minute warning, you'd be like, um, hurry up and let's put our clothes back on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's if what you do were... when you're a teenager. You're like, my mom comes home in 15 minutes. So could you wrap this up? <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we got so a how's all, your week going? Our week is great. We got all five girls for our big debut. We can't call it Fear Fest because the TV beat us to it. Oh, yeah. those assholes! One of the channels, fuckers. So now it's we're diving deep into dun 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 phobia fest. Woo! <laughs> Basically, all we're get, we're gonna do our usual October thing where everybody reads horror novels or semi scary stuff. But the difference is that each week in the month of October, we will feature the phobia of one of the girls. Dun dun dun! And guess who gets to go first? Of course I do, because I always go first. (laughs) And you say I always have to drive. Well, that's because you always put me in the car first. (laughs) (laughs) She, like, buckle you in like it's a car seat? Yes. Safety first. That's my favorite part. (laughs) I'm like, buckle me in, baby. (laughs) Here's your cup. Here's your blankie. Here's your gold. Here's your snack. Make sure your safety harness is on correctly. And you put the that little visor on the window, the screen, the sunscreen on the window. Oh, yeah. We don't want Bonnie's eyes getting burnt. I don't think I got any of that even when I was in a car seat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure car seats when I was growing up were barely car seats. Yeah, yeah. there was no car seat yeah. when I grew yeah. up. So I'm, I'm the oldest of the group and we had mom's arm mm-hmm. yeah. for a car seat. So I mean, when I used to babysit... I used to get just, in the back seat. No, I kids. used to hold the baby on my lap when we were driving to the house because I don't have a car seat in our car, like our family car. Right. How did we ever survive? I don't know. That's a really good question. Speaking of survival, Bonnie's got a deepest, darkest. I'm excited to hear about this year. one. I do. So let's hear it. Spill it. So one of my greatest fears and has been ever since I can remember, and mind you, I did not grow up in Oklahoma, is tornadoes. I've had reoccurring nightmares about tornadoes since I was probably about seven years old. They are scary as hell, I'm not gonna lie. So Why they, did you move here? <laughs> I know, they freaked me the hell out. They really, the first year I moved here, I like didn't sleep from October to June because it seemed like there was some kind of warning somewhere in the state every night first storm that we had the first time the weather radio went off which we didn't have before Mm -hmm. we moved here severe thunderstorm warning number 698 or whatever they do right right and i'm in the fucking hall with my shit you're ready ready to go in the hole and ron's like what are you doing (laughs) but the storm is coming (laughs) for those who don't know what the hole is it's called a storm shelter (laughs) (laughs) well the first year that i moved here um i was already living with my would-be husband would-be ex-husband and (laughs) (laughs) and your pre your pre pre pre-ex-husband my my pre-ex-husband and he would get pissed at me because every time like the warnings would go off on the radio i would like like wake him up like honey Honey, there's there's a warning. There's a watch. There's a warning. We we need to. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And he's like, shut the fuck up and let me go to sleep. <laughs> Such a man response. <laughs> so well, I guess it depends on where you were raised too. I grew up in Illinois, and 
I mean, that ha- that shit happens all the time in the summer. Like, oh, okay, there's another tornado warning. What are we going to do? Well, if the sirens aren't going and it's not green outside, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> green and cows start flying and i grew up in upper state new york and there was one tornado the whole time that i lived there oh yeah the whole 18 years that i lived there so i we we had one in the 36 years that i no two in the 36 years i lived in wyoming yeah and that was mine was a water spout that came on ground came onto the land land. Uh uh-huh off of the lake I think they just had a, one of my friends in Canada just posted a, like, warning that they had about water sprouts and, or spouts, and she was like, water sprouts, water sprouts, it's like Brussels sprouts, but water, um, (laughs) she was like, she's like, only in 2020, now we get fucking, like, water spout warnings, she's like, what is this shit? So, the book that I decided to read was The Mercy of the Skies by Holly Bailey, and this is a nonfiction book about the May 20th, 2013, or I should say the week of the 20th, 2013 in Oklahoma City, where we had two record-breaking tornadoes in like within a week of each other. It was within three days of each other, yeah. Yeah. And the one that they mainly covered in this is the one on the 20th that destroyed the two schools, the two elementary schools in Moore, Oklahoma. And she did a really great job for being a nonfiction book, because usually nonfiction books are just full of a bunch of facts and they're not very, they're very monotone. She was, she did a good job of a dramatic telling of this story because it, she really went into depth of everybody who had suffered and was injured in it, telling like what exactly happened in their particular situation, like the homes and the school and it was terrifying. I was shaking so bad that my teeth were chattering when I was listening to this on the way home um, in my car. <laughs> I'm love, serious. This shows our difference. Martha laughs and I'm like, oh, <laughs> if this was a regular book, it would have been in the freezer. Because she was telling me, crap. she was telling me about having read it and she started to shake when she was telling me about it. Yeah, that yeah. is a phobia. I mean, that's, that's how a much true that, phobia. but this and it's actually really interesting for people that aren't just completely terrified of tornadoes like I am because it also tells kind of the story of weather chasing in Oklahoma and and the story of a lot of our main weather guys like Gary England, Mike Morgan, um who's the Channel 5 guy? David um, Payne? No, it would have no. been uh, Rick, David, Rick Mitchell. David Payne is in there a little bit, but Rick Mitchell was still here, I think. Nope. Who's the one that? that no, Damon Lane. Dame, David Lane. Damon they Lane used to is call here, him the Rick, meteorologist Rick, because he was buff. Meteorologist. Meteorologist. <laughs> that's what Jack Elliott. That's uh, what Jack Elliott called the him radio all the time. station. Yeah. yeah. So it, it kind of tells about their kind of right, rivalry. It was, Damon. it was Damon because was Damon. his wife lived. He and his wife lived. In the neighborhood that got wiped out. Yeah. And they talk about that, how he had to be on air reporting on this tornado when he could not get a hold of his wife. Oh, that's Tornadoes are going through their neighborhood. He can see the weather chasers and see it on radar taking out their neighborhood and he could not get a hold of his wife. Uh, Talk about worst fear. Like you're watching it happen. And he was having to be calm for everyone else. It was terrifying yeah and just Ugh. think think about it and it actually kind of 
puts together more than one fear because for somebody who has children, think about the parents who couldn't get to the school. They didn't know if their children were affected or if they were evacuated. They didn't know where it was just chaos and there was false information going on after the tornadoes went through. People were trapped. They're trying to get to people. Well, and wasn't it like afternoon like two o'clock in the afternoon it or happened something right, like that? right when school let out yeah it like happened three, around three o'clock three o'clock in okay. the afternoon yeah i didn't live here yet but i remember watching it like, i was on TV. i was at the radio station on the other end of town terrified because both our boys w- were in the same school yeah hmm. and i don't even remember what the hell well i mean i told tyler to go home with dylan because yeah they, i think they got on the bus and went home yeah they did yeah which is which is safe (laughs) and then even more terrifying and this is i just remember when this happened and how dreadful it was for me for the 31st because at the 31st tornadoes or it wasn't the 31st the ones that went through el reno that was a couple of days after that was a couple of days after the other one like the 23rd or something like that which was a record-breaking tornado. And that's the one that um, some weather chasers actually died in. I do remember that one. That's the one that went right across the highway yes. and, and got a whole bunch of people. off the road, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It yes. took, took it a whole took bunch of people out. off the highway. 11 people or something. Yeah. I don't remember what, what the count was. And I remember they let us... I was working in Edmond at the time, which is 45 minutes away from Tuttle. Yeah, it's a trick. And they actually let school out early that day. Yeah. Yeah, and got all, so all the kids could get home because of what happened in Moore a few days before that. So they let me go early so that every they let the whole office go early so that we could get to our safe place. So I'm driving like a maniac to Tuttle with freaking warnings all around me. It's in El Reno, yada, yada. And, and I think I was on the phone with you at the time. Yeah, you had called me and I had the radio on. I didn't have Bluetooth at the time, yep. so I was listening to both. And at the time, part of her road was closed, so I had to go the long way around, like through freaking wheat fields. Because I'm and the one shit. with the shelter, so she was trying to get here. And Ugh. I got um, to the the highway to get to her house, and they actually had one side closed because that's where the tornado was coming. Oh, God. and I was like, oh my god, talk about the most terrifying drive home ever driving like these back roads and through wheat fields going fuck i'm never gonna make it there oh tell my son i love him (laughs) oh gosh tornadoes are terrifying though because they're so like unpredictable yet predictable like a hurricane you're like the shit's coming like we see it it from comes slow enough that a tornado will go back up in the clouds and hang around for a while and then dip Or just turn, like, out of nowhere. nowhere. Like it did on that El Reno tornado. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's why it took out the storm chasers. Well, yeah, because they know where they're going most. I mean, they have a better idea than the average person on the highway. Tornado always turns right? No. No. It goes wherever the hell it wants to go. Right. And I don't know about anybody else, but even though this is a fear, it's also fascinating. I definitely will never, ever go out and chase tornadoes for sure but it's still fascinating to hear how they form Jessica's and laughing else. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm not laughing I mean you're like I'm never gonna chase tornadoes and I was like well, I would hope not <laughs> yeah no no yeah no mm, no thank you I'm gonna stay underneath my bed hiding from them in the fetal position <laughs> like go. I'm good thank you don't you. have a bed to hide <laughs> under a miss mattress zing <laughs> <laughs> zing <laughs> is her mattress on the floor no she doesn't have I don't one even anymore have a mattress on the floor anymore yeah she's been sleeping on her couch since she moved into that house two years ago 
That's worse than frat boy status, Bonnie. I know. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, well no. as, up until to, like I, this afternoon, the only thing I had in my my refrigerator was alcohol, so it fits. Could, could we say, though, Bonnie, maybe Bonnie has figured out a self-preservation skill because, I mean, if there's a tornado, there's not a bunch of shit flying around to knock Bonnie in the head, so she's like, it's true. she's going to be on that's true i'm just gonna get you underneath put your mattress in your bathtub if you don't, you don't have a mattress because that's, that's how you're supposed to if you don't have any place to go that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to go yeah. into your bathroom and put your mattress over top all the tornado's gonna do is suck that fucking mattress off top <laughs> off me that's true and something else is gonna fall on their own i can't move my fucking mattress by myself no, no. if you're scared enough you can there was one time I was at my sister's house and there was a tornado warning and uh, I was trying to get her kids in the tub and I was so, I mean, I was like not panicky, but like trying to do it quickly and like a little jerky about it. I ripped off her shower curtain, <laughs> like out of the wall. Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I was trying to get the kids in the tub. <laughs> oh God. Although I will say some of my best summer camp memories involve severe weather at Culver. We were out on the lake for free swim, mm-hmm. and we were standing there, and the lifeguards were, like, taking 12 years to watch the weather, and those of us who'd been on the lake for years were like, oh, this is a terrible plan. Like, this cancel this shit. Mm-hmm. And so they told us to, like, take off running, because there was no shelter between our cabin and the lake, and it was, like, a mile, two-mile run <laughs> on a good day. And I, they all, then they realized it was mass chaos of, like, 100 people running across this wide-open soccer field. So they yelled stop and we all turned around and looked and the metal canoes, like old school camp canoes are flipping across the field. Holy fuck. And we all looked back at them and we're like, oh, fuck you. And just took off running back across. (laughs) It's like, everyone stop. (laughs) And I like looked back and I was like, if you think I'm standing in this field to wait for your ass to catch up. (laughs) Because I was probably like 12 and the cabin counselor was like, you know, when you're 12, they're ancient because they're 20. And you're like, hell no, I can run faster than you. (laughs) But I have vivid memories of watching those canoes end over end all the way across this big open field. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't I, I don't like storms either. I feel you. But I mean, this book was very well written. I actually uh, wrote, read two other nonfiction books about storms, and they they were both very monotone. Uh, one of them was the um, the biography of the storm chaser who died in the El Reno, and um, this one is definitely worth reading. Even if you don't like nonfiction, even if you're not terrified of tornadoes like I am, just the the weatherman rivalry in Oklahoma I, that I never understood. And they even go back into when they made it a rule that they were not allowed to say tornado on the radio or the TV because they thought it would, um, that it would cause mass panic. <coughs> panic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does that remind you what of? What does that remind you of right now, So, and- Mr. President, who has COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They talk about how um, one of the weather people, when they very first started out, they were um, swiping information from Tinker Air Force Base and giving it out to the public, and they weren't supposed to. Oh, oh. shit. They, like, hacked into their system so they could get their weather reports. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anybody's going to have super accurate, it would be Tinker, because they want to get those very expensive bombers off the ground right well <laughs> there was a tornado that came in and it was before i was born you know mm-hmm. before they had tornado warnings and all yeah. of that stuff 
that came in and uh, nobody predicted it and it took out a bunch of very expensive airplanes wow and after that happened they came up with a system of warnings for tinker air force base only and then a guy i believe that he was a radio guy i can't remember his name and he came up with a way to hack into the system to get there (laughs) so that he would give out the warnings to the public but she had she had to have done a lot of interviews and everything she because she had first person accounts of exactly like some of the teachers that were trapped under the debris and what some of the teachers did to try to keep the kids safe because the schools in Oklahoma don't have storm shelters. Right afterwards, the, everybody was talking about how we had to get that. Yeah. And they talked about it for about six months, maybe. Yeah, and there was some schools that were built with disappeared. them. And then, it, yeah, it disappeared because the people don't want to pay They're the like, taxes. Oh, that's yep. too much money. That's too expensive. Yeah. Yep. The one I subbed at in Edmond had like three rooms that were considered safe rooms. Yeah. yeah. And see, that's what they talk about in this book, how they had the tornado warnings and the kids went into the hallway like what they're supposed to do. And the teachers are like, oh, this isn't going to work. There's skylights. There's mm-hmm. all of these windows. It just takes getting the roof ripped off. Yeah, and it's people just, just get open. Sucked out so the they started like taking them to the bathrooms and yep. in, into closets and as many as they could jam in there. And it was just, it was It's insane. giving me chills. Like, I'm getting, uh, like, because I'm just having flashbacks to, like, Tennessee and them being like, here's the hallway with all the, like you said, with all the skylights and the glass. Yeah. And, like, but put your hand over your head. Like, that's going to help. To be fair, until this point, at least in Oklahoma, most tornadoes don't happen in the middle of the day. They happen at 6 or 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. And this one, they knew, they knew three or four days ahead of time that it was going to be bad because the weather forecasting in Oklahoma is excellent mm-hmm. right so we knew it was coming mm-hmm. that's the most frustrating part probably for most people is like we freaking but we didn't we know didn't exactly anything. when it would happen that yeah. day and, and everybody kind of figured it would be around drive time and it ended up being right as school is letting out but yeah this was even if you're just like curious about the whole history of tornado chasing and doppler radar and weatherman rivalry in oklahoma like, did you know that Mike Morgan and Gary England had like a bitter rivalry going on with each other? No, I did not know that, but I'm not surprised yeah, by that. They did they not for... like each other. They for competing news stations. Yep. And when the movie Twister came out, love that movie. And Mike Morgan only got a, a very brief appearance, and Gary England was larger because you can hear his voice a lot. Oh, is he the well, voice like when they're in the car and stuff that uh-huh. you're hearing on the and radio? And he's actually the voice. He was on the TV at the very beginning of that movie when Helen Hunt's childhood oh. home is blown away by the I tornado. I've not watched that movie okay. since I moved here. I need uh, to. She lives. Holly Bailey is living in Washington, D.C. and is a correspondent for Newsweek. Hmm. And Yahoo. But she went to OU, She's a political reporter, but she did go to college in Oklahoma. Okay. So she has Oklahoma connections. She has connections. Yeah. It was a very wonderfully written, terribly traumatic, surprise I don't have nightmares book. And it also won the Oklahoma Book Award and the American Meteorological Society's Lewis J. Batten Award for distinguished reporting that helps foster the public's understanding of weather. Because it did not have any like big terms that you would have a hard Mm -hmm. time. It 
like it was meteorological. For, <laughs> it was made for the layman. Yeah, I actually might read that just to read about it's the good. rivalry between the weather guys. I was really digging the rivalry, and then the tornado started happening. I'm like, oh god, you know, oh we god, have it's going to get bad. We have weather porn here in Oklahoma. We mm-hmm. all turn on the TV yeah. and it's watch so the porn. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. And hours go by and you don't even realize you've been watching I know. tornadoes you on your there TV. And watch the, there's no commercials. It's, there's nothing. Yeah. It's just pure coverage. When I last spring, I think one of the stations I was watching was talking about how like a couple years and it might have been that same storm that like their their owner at the time was like, it's been a bad storm season. We've lost too much ad money. You can't you can't interrupt the commercials. Yeah. I've heard, and they I've were like that. and they were like, fuck you and went on the air anyway and i'm sure there was hell to pay but they were like no like we have a job to do and we're not gonna dictate based on your ad budget on people's lives like yeah tell the tornado to hold on a second and here's from our sponsors (laughs) right i just feel like a amateur like meteorologist when i watch because now i like can look at the radar and be like what did i learn last storm season like i said like i said (laughs) oklahoma weather porn it's a thing like Mm -hmm. i sit there and be like is that a hook are they about to issue like yeah, a you news listen nine for tornado warning instead have, of. <laughs> have we lost our cap? Tell me we haven't lost our cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's definite keywords to listen for. So again, for the last time, this is called "The Mercy of the Sky" by Holly Bailey. Excellent. Sweet. We'll feature the fear of one person each week to talk about in the beginning, and then we'll go on to review our regular horror novels that we would normally review that person's fear will relate to the book they review on that particular day okay i'll go uh i read the return by rachel harrison i i liked it i will say i kind of called it i was like this is gonna happen uh so that wasn't super fun but it was interesting uh so the premise is that uh there are four friends they were roommates in college and um, one of them goes missing for two years. Like they have a funeral and everything. And um, then on like the two years to the day anniversary, she shows back up on her husband's porch. And the main character, her name, whose name is Elise, the whole time she was like, she's not gone. I would know if she was dead. Like I would feel it. Cause they, she and Julie were dorm mates and then May and Molly were dorm mates, but they were like together. They were, you know what I'm saying? They were like, tied or like together, like relationshipy wise. Oh, uh, like like friendship, you know had, like sweets, like sweets in a dorm. Oh, 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 okay. oh okay, yes, kind of thing. So they were all really good friends, but like these two are roommates and these two are roommates. Um, and she was like, I would know if she was gone. She's my best friend. She never really gave up believing that Julie would come back, and then she shows back up, and so they all decide that they should go on a girls' trip, and so they go to this hotel that's super super fancy and has all these super weirdly themed rooms that i was just kind of like oh that's way over the top but okay and the first time that they see julie back she looks terrible and uh there's like she looks awful they knew she'd had like eating disorders when they were in college um she said she doesn't remember anything from the time she's gone like full total amnesia doesn't remember the two-year block um, but she looks awful. And so weird things just kind of keep happening the whole time. And so you know something's kind of off with Julie the whole time, and you're not sure if it's like something came after her, she got into something bad, or what. But you know things are kind of weird. And then 
things kind of keep happening randomly around the hotel, you notice that like they're kind of understaffed now and then like they keep losing employees and weird things keep happening. And they're all too afraid to ask Julie if she actually remembers what was going on. And so it's just like a bit, a lot of suspense, like build up to where they're going to be like, okay, do you really not remember anything? Or like, what's, what's up with you? It was good. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where like, she comes back and you're like, there's going to be something wrong with her. Like from the jump. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know I was going to say, you don't, good. you seem a little underwhelmed by your choice. Yeah. I, I wasn't super happy about it, but I liked it better than I liked the boatman's daughter. Like, I kind of knew. I was like, hmm. there's only two hmm. ways that this book could go. And, yeah. And I didn't like the main character. She kind of sucked. Hmm. Like I When you don't like, like the main much. character, it's, well, it I, makes it rough. I have to tell you that I had that book on hold, and I was up for it. Like, next, I just took it off my hold list. Because if Jessica didn't like it, <laughs> you're not going to like it. Like it. <laughs> it was good, and it was interesting. And, I mean, the end definitely, like, kind of took you, like, like when you find out what it actually is, you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting, different than I thought, but but not scary, but just not really scary and not really, yeah. And it was just like a big suspense, like it builds it all the way up until you're at. I think it's got like ten parts on Audible or whatever or on the Overdrive app. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like up until part nine, you're like, okay, what's going on? Are you gonna tell me? Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't like afraid. I was just like, okay, leave. So it actually is a horror novel. Yeah, it's a horror novel. It's just not very scary because there's nothing like actually, like you just get these like little tidbits. Like, okay, most of the story is talking about Elise's like issues with she's afraid they're going to leave her because they all have like, they all have money and they have good jobs. And she dropped out of college because she was sleeping with her professor and he moved towns. She moved towns to be with him. And, like, just all of her, like, insecurities about how her friends think badly of her and had this, that, and the other. And, oh, my God, she tried to sleep with uh, Julie's boyfriend after she died. And I'm just like, I don't like you. You're a bad person. She <laughs> sounds a little slutty. So a lot of the book was talking more about her issues than, like, what was going on. And you would get, like, little tidbits where if you had, like, stopped listening for a second, you would have missed the fact that, oh, the manager of the hotel is really frazzled. And she's, like, asking another employee if they've seen her which is like one of the other employees. So it's kind of like, mm, it sounds, I feel like it was not very horror centered for being a horror. I was going to say, it sounds a little off, off, a little off to the right. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it's a horror novel and you get to the end and you're like, Oh, that is kind of scary. But they don't focus on the scary part of the book quite as much as her own, that one chick's own inner monologue. It sounds like, yeah, it's a lot about Elise being like, afraid she's gonna not be part of the friend group anymore or really worried about like is she having a purging episode and she's on an eating disorder thing again and like mm. does she like I, th- I like she thinks there are things following her but in the very beginning of the book they do the whole like unreliable narrator thing which i also hate um where it's like she's kind of paranoid anyways like she's got a lot of anxiety she's got like uh, uh what they called it but i would call it as like complex regional pain syndrome so she just kind of like has phantom aches everywhere all the time and so you kind of get the feeling that she's not exactly the most reliable narrator in the beginning and you're just kind of like do i believe you when you say you think you saw something <laughs> crawl across the floor or she is sounds it a be little like the drama. turn of the screw where it comes to the end and i'm like did this really happen or is she just crazy Mm. Mm. where are the monsters 
Where's the blood? This is horror. <laughs> Show me some blood. That it sounds like the author had a really good idea. The premise was good, but they didn't know how to execute it. And I got some kind of, Martha's going to be really glad she took this off her hold list once I say this. I got some girl on a train kind of vibe. Oh, see, and I like love girl on a train. Me too. Where it's kind of like, you aren't really 100% sure something's going on for a while because... Like, I mean, she has been missing for two years, so obviously she's not going to look great. She sounds like she annoys the shit out of me, and I haven't even read it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think the narrator really bought into, like, the fact that they're college roommate friends, because she sounded like a valley girl when she would narrate a couple of them, and I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (sighs) Which, I think this is the only book I've ever roasted this hard, aside from the dinner, and I kind of feel bad. It's okay, I won't tag the author. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. We don't tag the authors for bad reviews. Nope. (laughs) Do not tag the author. I would feel so bad. No, no. We're sparing their feelings. There's no need to tag somebody in that. Like, I liked it in the beginning, and I thought it was really interesting. It just kept dragging, where I was like, okay, you need to hit, like, an exciting point now. (laughs) And it would just kind of, like, give you, like, a... Oh, there's rust-colored like dew dripping out of one of the vents, and like they just don't ever like that's that's it. It lands on one of their heads. That's called blood. And they're just like, oh, it's rust. Like the vent's just rusty. I'm like, no, that's blood, yo. But like, <laughs> rust doesn't drip. <laughs> it was just like that the whole time. Where I'm like, okay, either you guys are seriously stupid, or I don't know. It sounds like a really bad slasher film. It does. That's yep. very B-rated yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I got for sure. Mm. But and like I didn't hate it, hate it. Like I didn't not enjoy reading it because I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. At points where I was like, ah, oh, it's gonna pick up now. Not and, and maybe now. <laughs> <laughs> Never did. <laughs> but so that was the return by Rachel Harrison. Excellent. And on to Ms. Rachel. All right, so I also read a nonfiction this week. I read If You Tell, A True Story of Murder, Family Secrets, and the Unbreakable Bond of Sisterhood by Greg Olson. Um, So this story is, most of it is set in Raymond, Washington. And it actually reads very much like a novel. I think if somebody started reading this without knowing anything about it, they it could fool you a little bit, which I actually really liked. Because um, like Vani said earlier, sometimes when you read a nonfiction, it can be a little dry depending on the topic. Uh, but this one, it the story held very well, I think. And like I said, it almost read like a novel. Um, our main focus in this is three sisters, uh, Nikki, Sammy, and Tori Notek. Um, one of the things I did like about this, it centers around the just awful abuse and torture that they sustained at the hands of their mother, Shelly. Um, so someone actually recommended this to me and they told me before I read it, don't look up the case. Uh, because this is based on a true story. So um, there's also murder involved in this. And some of the things that these poor girls go through is beyond horrific. 
Um, so there's various forms of physical abuse and torture, um, psychological abuse, um, just awful, awful things. Um, and their mother, her name is Shelly or Michelle, but she goes, they refer to her as Shelly in the book. And she's married several times throughout the lives of these girls and the husbands, especially her last husband, he is involved in certain things that go on because ultimately I believe there's three murders, um, which is not really spoiling anything too, too much. But the, like I said, the way that it's written, it's very centered on the girls um, talking about how they feel, the things they went through, the things they were thinking, the ways that they were trying to survive. And I, I really liked that the author had that focus rather than putting too much emphasis on Shelly, the abuser. Now, obviously there's information about Shelly. She's the one perpetrating things. So there's a bit of background in the beginning and throughout things. Um, but most of this comes from the perspective of these sisters throughout the book. So I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's difficult in parts to read a lot of the things that she does and gets other people to participate in and just the sheer ability that this mother has to fool people. And mm. there's clearly something psychologically is not right with this person. Um, and, uh, and I'll just say this, she is still alive. This mother, she's still alive. Um, and so are the girls, which is how this book was written. They they worked with the author on this and everything. So I just, I cannot imagine as I'm reading this, some of the things that are going on and some of the things that this, this person is that she's doing and saying, I just absolutely couldn't relate to it because I did. It, it makes you think, how is somebody that awful? of a person or who comes up with those kinds of lies and thinks that people are going to believe them um, and proclaiming that you didn't do certain things and that you don't know why people feel certain ways. It, it's beyond my scope. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's why this falls into the horror category. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, it's horrific. Um, this could be a horror novel in, in and of itself. If somebody wrote this as fiction, I would believe it. it it's it's that bad. Um, mm. And as I was reading it, I almost wish that it was because the fact that these girls were subjected to this is unbelievable. And the fact that they are thriving human beings now and happy uh, is wonderful to say and that they participated in this and sort of found their voice and were telling the truth and saying no this happened to me and it's not right and we're going to put it out there so i would recommend it if you like that type of book um, even if you don't tend to like nonfiction, i would still give it a try like a like I said, it's it's not dry at all. It reads really really well. I gave it four stars. So, and again, that's if you tell by Greg Olson. Awesome. All right. Um. So I don't do a whole lot of horror, but this book involves some ghosts. Ghosts are good. It's a little ghosty. 
It's a little Christmassy. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> no, but it was so. It's not even mid-October and you're bringing Christmas into this? You just think of it like a nightmare before Christmas. It's okay. All right. I really liked I it. I am the pumpkin king. Ah, do love <laughs> me some. I'm, I need to, oh, I need to watch that this month. I have my, my movie list going of all the movies I need to watch in October. Um, so I am reviewing The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. And this book was a lot of fun. It was cute. I wouldn't say it was horror or spooky, but it it does involve some ghosts. And basically, our main character, her name is Holly. She is the epitome of an L.A. socialite, snotty teenager. She's all about herself. She doesn't care about the feelings of her housekeeper or her the person that cooks for her. Her dad's um, a producer in movies, and she's just kind of a brat. It's like her um, housekeeper slash cook that kind of takes care of her when her dad's traveling doing movies is supposed to be off for Christmas. And she's like, well, who's going to cook for me? And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) And she's like, you have to work tomorrow. She's like, but it's Christmas. She's like, I don't care. So she gets a visit from the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And they come in and kind of give her the Scrooge treatment. And she doesn't really change her ways. Right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the original Mm -hmm, story, Scrooge Scrooge turns turns Nice. nice. Yeah. So she does not heed their advice. And a couple of days, either, I don't think it was Christmas Day, so it might have been the day after Christmas. She goes to yoga, and on her way home from yoga, there's like a car crash that she's walking beside, and she doesn't make it. The crash kills her. Ah. So then you think, well, like, where the hell is this story going to go now? Because you've, first two, chapter and a half, you've killed the main character. Uh, well, that's why it's called The Afterlife of Holly Chase. Aye, mm. there we're getting to the ghost. Yes. Okay. So what we find out is that since A Christmas Carol was published, there are actual companies, and it's called just called The Company, and this one happens to be based in New York for the United States. There may be more than one, but the one she goes to is the one in New York, and she becomes one of the ghosts. Okay. As her like punishment for not heeding the warning of the three ghosts and changing her ways. Hmm. And... So they spend the whole year picking their Scrooge. So each Christmas... Picking their Scrooge? Yes, they're picking... Martha's making a nose-picking <laughs> motion. <laughs> so they spend the whole first part of every calendar year going, okay, who's going to be our Scrooge? So in theory, there's lots of the companies around the world, and they're all picking their own Scrooge. It's kind of how I envision it. And so they have... And she plays a character, and then there's another branch of her team that's like the ghost of Christmas future. And then there's the branch that looks about the past and they're all trying to find the right person to play each of the ghosts. I think she's, she's considered the lamp, I believe who kind of like introduces the ghost, I think is what her kind of position was. And they pick somebody who is younger. He's kind of a teenager. And because this book is a little YA, of course there's a little bit of like romance in there. And she just gets really invested in this, the potential Scrooge. And I can't think of his name right now because it's not on my page. And 
she starts kind of sneaking around and finding ways to like talk to him where the company wouldn't notice because she feels like she just needs to get to know him. And it's just a really fun story of him getting to know her, her getting to know him, but still he's the Scrooge. So she knows that they're going to have to go through the whole process of the Christmas Carol and how can she kind of force it where he becomes a better person? Yeah, so they're try- she wants to, you know, kind of remedy and make herself feel less guilty for her failings of the Christmas Carol myth, like story. And so she's really over-involved in this Scrooge's story and kind of getting in the way of the other teams because they're like, why can't we find this person that's supposed to like be his ghost of Christmas past or whatever? And it's because she's in there messing around. Mm, um, creating havoc. She's creating havoc. And it was just, it was good. It was a little Christmassy, but the ghost part of it, I felt like I could throw, do a little nightmare before Christmas for my first. I was going to say, that's a pretty big fucking stretch, man. It is a stretch, but it's <laughs> what I have. I mean, it's ghosty. It's nightmare ghosty. before Christmas is actually pretty Halloween. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. So, you know I had to be that way. Uh, well, and I felt like if I didn't review it now, by the time Christmas came around, it'd be so far down on my Goodreads, I'd forget. Because I mm. really did like it. Um, it was recommended to me, and I was like, this book is really fun. And it was wholesome but still teaches you good life lessons <laughs> for teenagers mm. of the YA variety um but I definitely gave it I think I gave it five stars on Goodreads if I didn't I should go back and fix it but it was a lot of fun and the ending gives you a little twist and gives you something a little fun um and that was the afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand awesome well I got a real true horror story for you oh, oh good we knew you'd come through yes the queen of horror is bringing it. <laughs> Actually, I'm not the queen of horror, but close enough. Um, I read Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. Now, Grady Hendrix is the same guy that wrote uh, We Sold Our Souls, and he also wrote Southern the Women's something, Guide to Vampire. Southern Women's Guide to Vampire Slaying. Yes. Or something along those notes. Anyway, so what this is, basically is, I liked it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I used to work at Kmart years ago. And if you've, you've ever worked in that kind of a situation, it's, the company has a line to tow. You know, they have this whole culture of, you know, like phrases and, and behaviors that you're supposed to abide by. And from the very beginning of this book, the audio was very much like that kind of have that company line playing in your head only in this case the store is very similar to an Ikea so it's got that Swedish umlaut type you know thing going on there the store is called Orsk Furniture Superstore and it's in Cleveland Ohio and OH so the um no one's gonna IO me back sorry we none of us are from there I'm not from Ohio I don't somebody on the podcast listening probably did it back to me so it's okay i'm like yeah that's ohio come megan thanks listeners <laughs> she said oh h and i was like okay oh jeez anyway the story begins with a main character who basically is an employee of the store not very enthusiastic about working there And she 
and some of the other employees, you, I liked the characters a lot. I liked the character-driven type stories, and this definitely falls into that category. And the story begins with a mystery. They show up to work, and a bunch of stuff is broken, and there's a bad smell, and there's poop smeared on certain surfaces, and it's not good. And it's happened more than one time. So the manager has just had enough of this business, and he asks our main character, which whose name escapes me at the moment, um, along with two other employees, to work a late shift to catch the perpetrator. So basically, it's like an overnight shift. They're going to stay the night there and catch the person that's doing it. Well, as, as I stated before, the main character is not a very enthusiastic employee at all so you get that snark and that oh god what the hell am I doing here you know and then you get there's another employee who is a longtime employee who's very positive and the the uh, manager who is Mr. Company Line so you have those three all together in this situation and it could almost be a comedy except that it's really fucking terrifying, the stuff that starts happening in the store. It's like a, it's like a haunted house book, only in the store. That actually sounds really good. It was, it was really excellent, and it was creepy as fuck. It was very creepy at the end. I mean, is it like a big box store? Or is it like no? A it's little... like an IKEA type store. So oh, yeah, okay. it's a, it's more furniture cent- centered. Oh okay. Um, so there's a lot of different areas like display areas yes display stuff. areas yeah. and they they make reference to the different sections of the store and one of the other fun things about it is two of the employees that weren't invited to spend the night show up anyway one of them is a very perky young pretty girl and her hunky sidekick who, who have decided that they're gonna be famous on bravo catching a ghost on tape This sounds kind of fun, actually. It was it was very fun until shit starts to go sideways, Mm. as it does in horror. It was very frightening. Um, Well, creepy, super creepy, especially if you're listening to the audio, because every once in a while, break in with these like commercials for the store. Oh, Um, it was highly, highly entertaining. I'd definitely read it again for a horror novel. I mean. It really did it for me. I enjoyed it a lot, and I would recommend it for anybody who wants a good, creepy October read uh, to give you that horror vibe. It was pretty scary, too, at the end, I thought. So that was Horror Store, S-T-O-R with the little umlauts over the O, by Grady Hendrix. And I gave it four stars, but I probably would have bumped it up to four and a half. Four it sounds like quarters. a fun book. It was very fun. Um, it didn't quite make the five star mark for me, but it was damn close. Definitely an October must read in my book. Nice. We should totally talk about the um, people making out at the freaking garden center at the bookstore. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. That is pretty funny because that's, I mean, is that a, like a bucket list thing? Or? Maybe they just hadn't seen each other because it was pandemic time and they finally felt safe. But they were like, but we can't like go inside anywhere because germs. So they were like, you know what? Garden at the bookstore. 
Well, well I don't think they I, started out that way. I think they were looking for a spot. That's what I oh, think. They were look, kind of like a library. They thought maybe the bookstore would have like a dark corner somewhere with books that nobody read. You know what? And all the libraries are closed, so they had to improvise. They had I to mean, improvise. if that's on your bucket list to do it in a bookstore... You're like, you know, mm, baby, that smell these con- books. We need to find a corner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, don't got- do it. <laughs> it's a sacred place, man. Yeah, least, but technically, they weren't in the bookstore. At least they, they were outside. Yeah. That's just next time I go to that little patio section. Bonnie's I, already on um, on OK Cupid setting that shit she up. She is I'm already like, planning this date. <laughs> She's like, Jessica, I need your work schedule. I need to know. Tell me when you're at the bookstore so I can have that all to myself. Yeah, could you tell me what no. your schedule is? <laughs> no. You can put one of my other coworkers through that. At least they were trying to keep it semi-private. Like when I was in high school, I worked at a, you know, just like a little sub shop type thing but if you walked back through the storeroom and they had this other little back room that was an ice cream shop and it had just a walk-up window right so every year the town that i grew up in they have something called corn fest and it's we literally celebrate corn so that sounds like an oklahoma thing it does does. (laughs) illinois has a lot of corn though when you get out of chicago so there's um there at the time i was working the walk-up window and right across the street was a bar and so i was getting ready to close out my window was locked i think i was doing dishes or something and somebody comes up and is knocking on my window and so i open it and i was like yeah and he goes um do you think you could call the police and i was like as i slide my window a little more closed sure why and he's like uh those people are having sex on the curb and i was like Oh, really? <laughs> so, did you go out, so did you go out and look before you called the cops? Well, I tried to peek my head out the window and I was like, oh, forget it. I'll just go up to the front of the store because we had a big window. I was like, I'll just look because the phone was up front. So I um, I was like, yeah, sure, man, that's fine. He's like, okay, thanks. So I locked my window back up and one of my friends, he was working up front. So he was cleaning up and I was like, uh, hey, Bobby, um, some people are having sex on the curb. Um, can we just go ahead and call the police? He was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember where we're standing too, because we were standing in front of like the hot table where like the, um, the taco meat and like nacho cheese and stuff were, and we're like, and we had a cordless phone. I mean, it's not like we weren't, you know, so we were trying to see, we couldn't see anything, but, um, but there was a crowd and uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> the police showed up and there was some girl like skirt height they were taking them both off and we were just like man man they re- must really be fucked up to like I was let a say, crowd how, gather how drunk yeah. do you have yeah. to be to have have sex on the curb with a crowd and not even realize it hey maybe they maybe they were uh, having a fantasy about having a porno made or something something. they're like oh honey this wallpaper in your house is really interesting well i was just glad they didn't come over to my window and want ice cream (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, some cold sound really good ice cream would be better than nacho cheese that's true that is true is bad but (laughs) I mean, nacho cheese is only one step from mac and cheese. 
<laughs> and on that note, I think that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.